Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner. And I'm your co-host, Denisha Jackson. Denisha, we're so happy to have you back on the show. It is my pleasure. Everybody's been, everybody's been asking about you. Really? Yeah, you know how your your friends out there, they're always asking about you. <laughs> well, I miss everyone. I miss everyone when I'm not on. Well, you know what? I think I think everybody gets tired of hearing Brian and I. Our voice, no. And then, and then when you know you come on with the beautiful voice and all of this stuff, so. That's, well, thank that's you, thank yeah. you. Tonight, you know what, Denise? We have a, a powerful, powerful person with us tonight, and you know we're just gonna have fun talking about crazy situations, relationships, and fidelity. Why this? Why that? And I think, Denisha, uh, tonight a lot of people will get the answers that they've been looking for. And when you went on her, yeah, when you went on her site, what did you think? Really, I was just amazed that, like, I mean, she put things together. Rebecca Brody put things together so well that I, I was just sort of amazed that someone had created such a site where the reality of love <laughs> was dealt with, you know, yeah. and I don't want to give too much away, but where the reality of it all was dealt with. You know what, uh, there, there's so many women out there that have just given up on getting married and they, they you hear so many of them, I, I guess they're just bitter because of past relationships, but you know, Denise, I'll, I'll ask you this before we go and bring uh, Ms. Brody in. Do you think people saw the red flags and they just ignored them and they just figured that they, that they could turn the situation around or turn this person around? I think I think in a lot of situations there are red, red flags, especially when it's not someone who is literally trying to deceive you. But I think in some cases some people are also deceived. Yeah. Uh, but I do think we ignore red flags a lot. Mm. And I tell you what, um, <laughs> our guest tonight is going to probably talk about some of those red flags and why some of us, we get in relationships and we do some crazy things. And, Denisha, you know what, I'm not going to try to say anything, but have you ever been in a crazy relationship? Um, I've been I've been in some crazy situations. I, I sort of see crazy coming across the street. Um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> life experience is a great teacher and so you know, I'm I'm a little I'm more of the protective female. I, I protect myself. I see you coming and I think, hmm, I'm not sure these red flags I'm seeing, I'm not even going to find out whether or not they're real red flags. With the exception of probably one or two situations, I sort of avoid anything that looks like it's a red zone and just, you know, yes. keep on moving. Yes. You know, uh, but I'm going to bring our guest in. Tonight our guest, special guest is Rebecca Brody. And Rebecca is currently a life empowerment coach in New York City. But not just in New York, Denisha. She's all over. She, she's willing to come anywhere. She. If you need someone to speak, she'll come. If you need to be trained on love to get that love and that relationship back that you've been dreaming about, that you that sometimes we put this big wall up, she can help you with that. And you know what, Denisha, she's also this empowerment coach for women in need. And she's also the creator of She Caught the Crazy. It's a relationship program. We'll get into that in a little bit. But, uh, Rebecca, are you there? 
Hello. I tell you what, we're so excited to have you on tonight. I know you've heard me say hey. that before. No, I'm so excited to be here, and I really appreciate you having me on. Thank you so much. Rebecca, she caught the crazy. <laughs> she caught the crazy. Where in the world did you get that from? I have to tell you, it's it's a fantastic phrase, you know, and, and what let me just explain what it means first so you understand where I'm coming where I'm coming from. Okay. She got the crazy means that we all have the opportunity to have love and to give love. But our negative beliefs keep us from experiencing love to its fullest in our lives. So when you when you catch the crazy you allow your negative thoughts and beliefs to twist and distort your mind so that you no longer approach your life and your relationship from a place of love, but rather you engage it from this place of negativity. And that's when all those emotions come in, those negative emotions like anger, jealousy, bitterness, mistrust, hate, you know. And that's when you end up catching the crazy. Well, that is amazing. Because, you know, it sounds so funny when you hear it. It sounds funny. but And, you know, some of the stories are quite funny that I was reading. But it, that is really what happens. That is really what happens. And what, like, how did you even... How did that come about? Like, how did you even conceptualize that and then put it down into words to actually express what it really looks like? Is she caught crazy, you know? Well, you know, it's funny. I was having lunch with a good friend of mine, and you know, he always buys me lunch, and I give him free coaching advice. It's kind of deal we have. Mm-hmm. And he had mentioned his ex-girlfriend and that, you know, when he met her, she seemed really normal, and they were in the same type of business together. And when they broke up, she showed up one day when he was having a party and was banging on the door and screaming, like, let me in, I know you're in there, just behaving really, really crazy. And so I I, I understand this guy pretty well, and I understand that there are certain things he can do, you know, that can push a a person's buttons. But that's when I realized that, you know, it's really both people in the party that are responsible for the role they play when one person in the relationship catches a crazy you know, your your crazy reaction is a direct link to something your partner's doing or saying, and that's what triggers the, the crazy episode. But in understanding this, you can't really lay blame on the other person for the actions that you choose to make when you're under that crazy influence. You know, that choice is really left solely up to you. And you have to take, take responsibility for those actions and your choices. Mm. You know, and I wanted to be able to create something to help people to approach that. You know, understanding that you know, you cannot change your partner. You can't ask them to, you know, to be different. But what you can do is change your reaction to how you, you know, respond to them whenever they do something that pushes a button. Mm. I want to ask you this. Do you think, okay, when you first meet someone and you're dating someone, and as long as you're not sexually active, let's say you don't engage into that, do you think that sex is probably the part that pushes that person crazy? No, no. You know, there's. I've coached some people who they've only, you know, emailed people back and forth. But what they've done is they've created this idea in their mind of who this other person is. So when the other person says, okay, you know what, I don't want to meet you, they go crazy. And then they're calling me and they're telling me, like, oh, I'm in love with this guy. Oh, my God. And I ask, oh, well, how long have you been going out? And they're like, well, we've never gone out. We just emailed a couple times. Yeah. And well, I think... <laughs> How did you get to that point? You know, you're catching the crazy already. Well, and and I'm so glad you said you said, "Oh, I'm in love with this guy" because I I would be willing to place a wager on the fact that nine times out of ten, it's a woman who does that because we will romanticize, create a relationship, 
and be married all before we even know the guy's full name. I mean, we will romanticize a relationship so fast, and I just wonder, like, do you find that that it happens more with women, or am I wrong? Is it? You know, you're spot on. It's one of the dating traps, and it's something that as you get older and you get better at dating, you learn to put that aside. You learn not to do that. But in the beginning, when you're, you aren't taught anything about relationships, you do. You have this idea, and it's this um, it's a love map that's been created in your mind as to the kind of partner that you want, You know, the kind of person that will fulfill you. And when you meet somebody, you immediately put that map on them without even taking a look at who they are or whether you know where they came from, what they really stand for. And these are the romance junkies, you know, it's one of the traps they fall into. And so if you put that map on somebody, you're not really, you know, leaving any room for them to show you who they are. So when the red flags come up, you'll ignore it. Because in your mind he's not really like that. Well, you know, I was gonna say I'm so I just have to say this really quick. I am so excited about this about talking to you tonight and about this conversation because I think you know, so often we hear people saying, dress like this, look like this, act like this, smell like this, talk like this, and I promise you, you know, you will find the man of your dreams instead of someone saying, look, part of it is you, and part of it is the ideal in your head, and part of it is what you put, project out there, and not all of it is about this physical makeup. A lot of it is about who you are and who you believe yourself to be, and that's that's what's causing the crazy. And I'm just so excited just to have an expert like yourself talking about it in such a real way and not just coaching someone saying, you know, look and be and it'll happen. No, I, I hear you absolutely. And you have to remember, too, that, you know, people who are in relationships can catch the crazy. You can be married and catch the crazy. And, you know, these are people who seem perfectly sane one day and then the next day they do something crazy. And why do they do these things? It might be because of a broken requirement. It could be an unfulfilled want or need or desire or due to lack of communication. How often do you think something like this, the crazy, happen? Because, now I'm going to say this, because people get together, I'm not going to say women, but people get together and they talk about their relationship and, and they fantasize about this man or this man is fantasizing about this woman and they like you said they create this relationship and they create that and when it you know when it don't go the way that they thought or planned it you know they just get absolutely crazy it definitely happens and that's one of the big issues too that's when you know there's a disconnect when you're off dreaming about the relationship on your own and not with the other person then there's something wrong there what you want to be doing is sitting down with your partner and creating that big vision for each other and saying, okay, where would we like our life to go together? What are our wants? Do we want to travel together? Where do we want to go? You know, do we want a house together? How many kids do we want? So you want to co-create this big dream and work towards that together. And if you're doing it on your own and not including the other person, well, then you're going to be really upset when they don't go along with your plan. Absolutely, absolutely. So I have a question. So I walk in and I come to you and I call and I say, I'm single, I'm 35, and, you know, I've dated all these wrong guys and I just, I don't know, I can't find love. Can you help me? What's the first thing you say? First thing I like to do is really break down and see, you know, what this person's looking for and then what they've been going towards. Because a lot of times she, she, she just said, you know, the one thing I heard that was most important was I've been dating all these wrong guys. 
well, why are you choosing all these wrong guys? So there's something that you're doing that you are choosing the wrong guy. So what do we need to do to change so that you choose the right guy? And that's about really breaking down and deciding, you know, or understanding what are your requirements. You know, those are the non-negotiable events or qualities that are required for a relationship to work for you. What are your needs, your emotional needs, your, your functional needs? You know, what are your desires, your wants? And once you break those down and understand them, then we have to look at what are you putting out there? Because you might say, you know, well, I want somebody who's honest, but then you're choosing people who are obviously are giving off signs of, of people who are being not honest. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I'll tell you what. You know, so many times we listen to other people and we kind of, let me say, I'll, I'll say it like this. If I'm coming out of a, uh, if my friend is coming out of a bad relationship and I'm going into a relationship and he's telling me all the things that went wrong in his relationship, do you think at some point I'll start looking at the girl that I'm dating and comparing him, comparing her to my friend's uh, ex? I think that it depends on you know how you relate to people. If this is a friend who you you know idolize, somebody that you think has it together, you know, uh, maybe they're coming out of that relationship, and they tell you, like, be careful of this, be careful of that, watch those signs. You just might go into the relationship that you're in and place that upon, you know, place that upon it, which would be detrimental to the relationship because then you're not really living in the moment. You're placing, you know, exterior things on the relationship, and that's when you start, you know, the fights begin. Yeah, and that's really not fair to the other person, is it? No, not at all. And it's it's also it's it's not very um, adult of you. Yeah. You really want to step back and assess any relationship that you get into. You really want to take the person as they are. And remember that when when we say you know I love you just the way you are, that it really has to be that. Mm. We know that people will grow and change, but you aren't there to you're not there to like push them into change. You're there to help them to grow, and they're there to help you to grow. Yeah. So um, it really has to be organic. Yeah. Rebecca, I'm getting slammed in in MySpace with so many questions, and one of the one of the men in MySpace is just sending me a, a, a question to ask you. He wants to know why is it that men are so afraid of falling in love? That's a good question. You know, I'd say that's really on an individual basis. We can't really generalize and ask. You know, why are all men? Every man has his issue, and it it may stem from childhood. It may stem from having his heart broken over and over again, it may stem from, you know, having a requirement broken, being cheated on, whatever it is. But each person has their own individual reason why a commitment seems scary to them. Mm. And the commitments are the unknown. And we're not taught about these things when we're young. Mm -hmm. You know, there is no class that says, this is how you love. This is what love is. This is how it feels. This is what you're going to experience. This is what you should look for in a relationship or in a partner, what you should know about yourself. No one teaches you that. So when you do get into one, suddenly, you know, it's this amazing, overwhelming feeling at times. Yes, it is. And you don't even know. You're, you Sometimes you think you're going to be, you know, engulfed by it. So it's, you know, it, it's not crazy to, to be fearful of what might happen next. Mm-hmm. But if you're somebody who knows themselves and trusts that, you know, life is an, ad- an adventure and you're here, you're willing to step up and experience every bit of it, including the love part, no matter how scary it is. Mm-hmm. And you, you've, you've come to learn that this is the person who you know is right for you. You're just kind of scared. You're scared. That's when you have to say, all right, push yourself forward. 
you, you've had fear in your life in other areas. How did you get over that? So apply that to where you are now. You know, I want to also ask you this. Do you think when you, you I mean, you were just talking, uh, it, it came up, came to me. Do you think men are just a little bit more cautious than women when it comes to dating and falling in love and that type of thing? I don't think so much it's cautious as, you know, women are really thrill seekers in that way. Like when women are in love, they want to scream it from the rooftops. They want everybody to know. They want. They call all their friends. They talk about them all the time. Men are a little more subdued when it comes to relationship. They feel just the, you know the same way, but they don't express it the same way. Hmm. Now you you just touched on something that um, I've sort of wanted to know. Do you think that sort of self esteem or understanding self is sort of one of the basic foundations? principles when you're talking about love and having a, a relationship that is uh, fruitful as opposed to being bogged down with negative stuff. You do. You really, truly have to know who you are and know that you're going to grow and change, you know, and accept that fact about yourself. I mean, if you don't know yourself, you, you won't know what your requirements are. You won't know that, you know, you know what, I am family-oriented or, you know, I must have faithfulness in my relationship. Some people, you know, that's not necessary. Some people want an open relationship. They want to be able to be married and sleep with other people. It happens to be a fact in America. And then there are others who say, no, I want to be committed to one person and I want us to be faithful. If you don't know these things about yourself, then what happens when you get into a relationship? Mm. The other person happens to break that requirement, you catch the crazy. Right. <laughs> so you right. have to know. You've got to know yourself. You have to know what you want. You've got to know, you know, what means what means something to you. You know, to you. You have to know where you came from. You have have an idea and dream about where you want to go. You know, and and have that experience. Okay, I'm sure the principles are the same, but let's talk about an an, uh, an issue that is all too familiar to so many women these days, um, and that's the um, over 35 women, never married, um, extremely successful, you know, has a great career, yet is missing and isn't quite fulfilled as a woman because she does not have that relationship and sort of, you know, is either single or just sort of hopping around from guy to guy because it's just you want the committed relationship, but you can't get there. What do you do when, which I'm sure is, you know, there's so many women like that out there. What do you do? What do you tell those women? You know, I always look for the limiting belief. You know, it's that belief that's really holding this person back. Uh, there was a woman I coached who was in her 50s, and, you know, her limiting belief was she believed that there were no good men out there. She's like, there's no good men over 50 out there. They all want to be with 20-year-olds. And I thought, okay, so having that belief how is that helping you when you go out into the world? What message are you putting out there? Every time you see another guy who's in his 50s, what look do you give him? You give him, huh, you just want a little 20-year-old. You don't want me. And that's exactly what you're projecting. So if we change your belief, it's going to change how you approach people in the world. Wow. And just from that alone, she started to have people come up. Men started to come up to her and ask her because her face was open her stance was open, you know. She was smiling. She was accepting. It was no longer, you know, that, that kind of crabby look she had on her face that put up a big wall. 
And you know what? I see that all the time. And I and and most of the women that I see, not all of them now, a lot of them are just walking around. They're angry. Their fists are balled up all the time, and it's like they're ready to fight. And and just like you said, if they change the way that they think, you know, things could could change instantly. It's just a belief. Yes, yes, it's, it's all in. This. And it happens with men as well. Yes, and oh, yes. I had another young client, you know, in his thirties who. He he was a virgin, you know, which is amazing to be in your thirties and a virgin. And he uh, he would go to the gym, and he he just never knew how to, you know, open up and talk to a woman. But he said that women would stare at him at the gym. And I asked him, you know, well, what are you thinking? And he was like, well, they must think I'm ugly. They must think this. They must think that. And I thought, well, what if you switch that? And what if you thought, hey, maybe they're just looking at me because I look really good because I work out and I'm fit. Maybe they're checking me out. That week, this woman comes up because he gave her a smile and started thinking that. His whole face changes. It's more positive. So the woman actually walked up and started a conversation with him. But it was that just simple, you know, switch in belief. It's the, it's the simple things. It's that little simple thing, what you're saying. You know, so many women, uh, and, you know, I, and I know that you probably deal with a lot of women that were, molested when they were little or raped or whatever, and now, you know, they're stuck in that pain and they can't get over that to trust a man. Absolutely. Yeah, how do you you help them? That's a really big issue, you know, and that's when a lot of times I like to send that person to therapy first, and I still work with them as a coach, but I I send them to therapy because I want them to work through the negative past issues, and you really have to do that with a psychiatrist. And it's wonderful work to do, too. You know, she really, like a psychiatrist will take you back to that time in your life. And then when you come back to me, you're ready to understand that the choices that happened to you in the past do not dictate the choices that you make in your future. So about how long is the process, depending on, a person obviously with significant issues like that would take a little bit longer time. But for the, the average person that comes up, how long is the process for them um, to sort of rearrange the belief system? You know, it takes three months. It really does. It takes three months to make real serious change. Like if you want to set up a goal and switch the belief systems, it takes three months. And every week you're doing tasks and work to make sure that you're working towards changing that belief. You know, it doesn't happen instantaneously. And three and months I, is really not long. Nope. When you think about it in conjunction with the rest of your life, it's those three months that could change you from understanding that the world is about choices. It's the choices that you make and that you're not a prisoner to what might have happened to you in your past. And it's also not that long when you think about how much time a lot of us have wasted already. You know, three months and compared to the years years we've wasted. Mm -hmm. Years in poor marriages, all kinds, yeah. Do you deal with um, forgiveness at all? Do you deal with, with that aspect of it in yep. terms of saying, you sure let do. stuff go? Yeah, you know, it was, uh, it was really quite amazing. I had a, a client a few weeks ago who, who called me, you know, asking to work with me because she had found out that her husband and her best friend were having an affair and had been for some time. So when she called me, it was really amazing, the the emotions that were going on that she had shut down. Like she just kind of called and said, yep, I found this out, and, you know, I, I just thought I should call because I, I think I need some help with this. I thought, okay, here's a woman who is completely trying to disconnect from her emotions. 
and there's no way for her to work through any of this until I make her feel everything that's going on around her. So I had to take her through a really intense exercise until I had her sobbing and crying and really feeling it and understanding the weight of what was going on and then allowing her to release those emotions so that she could begin to look at her situation and ask, all right, what do I want to do here? And after we did that work, she said, you know, I want to stay with my husband. You know, I, I want him in my life. It's all right. So then now we've, we've got to repair, and this is going to take, you know, repairing the trust, repairing the relationship, repairing the physical relationship, you know, um, all these aspects of it. And that, of course, will take time, but, you know, she wanted to forgive, and that's, that's fine. That's something you can choose to do. It's up to you. Now, I have a question that's a little bit, it might be more personal, or it definitely is more personal for you directly. How do you, I don't know if debrief is the right word, but love is like, in my belief, it's the single most greatest emotion life-altering thing that we experience and teaching it, living it, giving it, and I'm sure loving and living in your own life, how do you teach and lead others while maintaining a certain amount of distance? Like how do you go home after you've such a friend who, you know, her, you had to take her to exercise, and I'm sure it's emotional. There's a certain level of emotion that you have to bring to the table to get her to go that deep. Absolutely. How do you detach after that and go home and, and smile and be in a good mood? <laughs> you know, I don't detach, you know, but I was taught, you know, when I when I started coaching, I was taught that you cannot fall in the box with them because if you fall in the box, then you can't help pull them out. So to me, I'm the lifeguard, and I, I'm not going to drown, and I'm not going to let them drown. So I stand on the edge of the pool, and I put up my hand, and I make sure that I pull them out, and that's what makes me feel good is that when I go home, I don't feel like, you know, the world is this horrible place where people are cheating on each other. No, I feel like today I saved a life. And to me, love is life. So today I saved love. Mm, great, great answer, powerful. You know what, I was going to ask you, when you said the, the woman that you were coaching, she chose to stay with her husband. Is it safe to say that most men, when they find out that their wives are cheating on them, that they don't stay like a woman would probably stay in a relationship? You know, it's interesting. Um, it's, uh, men, too, also want to stay in the relationship. It's not, you know, a lot of times I find that men don't want to stray from what they're comfortable with, you know, and what they've chosen. I've had a man, you know, sit down and tell his wife, listen, stop this. You know, I, I, I'm here and I'm, I'm your husband and I, I want to continue being with you. Stop doing this. Stop cheating on me. So in the situations I've dealt with, I leave it up to the individual, you know, and I never say, like, you should leave or you should go. That's not my choice. I just ask the questions. You know, I ask the coaching questions or empowering questions, and they're to help you figure out what's the best route for you to take. Mm. Okay. I have I have a question uh, that's a little different or unique because it's involving a guy who is actually probably a little bit more typical of what happens to men, actually, and uh, no offense, Greg, not beating up on you guys at all, but, you know, a guy, I have a, a friend, and he was with a woman for about 10 years, and he cheated pretty much six years at least out of their relationship. He's cheated and was with other women. She might not know of all of them, but she knows of the infidelity. They weren't married, but they lived together. And um, at this point, 
it's been about a year since they finally broke it off. He left, and um, she basically, at some point, he wanted to get back with her. And I think he gave her a little bit of space, and then she probably realized how much better her life was. You know, she probably had gone through her own hurt and pain, and, and so when he got ready to go back, she really wasn't open to it. And so now he's dealing with all of the pain and guilt of probably the one woman who loved him, and he never saw her love when he was there, and now it's too late. What advice would you give such a guy if he came to you looking to move forward? Because he still wants to get married. He still wants to have a great life and find a woman who he can cherish and love and not be um, unfaithful to. But where does he go from that point? And it's been a year since they've broken broken it off. Well, this is a good time for him to remain single because he's really got to work through the issues within himself as to why he strayed. You know, what was he looking for outside of the relationship? Because we can see here, this is somebody who, if if he jumps to another relationship, he's most likely going to continue the pattern. So it's really about assessing, you know, his idea of of fidelity. You know, is that something he really wants in a relationship? Um, I think people are attached to their emotions, and they're attached to people, and they love people. So when they lose them, there's that feeling of loss. And so we do have to mourn that. So I definitely take him through the cycles of change, you know, and that's one, the loss, move him into, like, the next stage. But it's really, it's about going back and and understanding, you know, why he chooses to do what he did and finding out if there is some underlying belief that might be limiting him there in that he would make such a choice. Mm, Powerful. I I have a a MySpace question. Uh, the question is, do you only coach heterosexuals? No. Nope. I have um, several homosexual clients as well. Awesome. You know, love, it's everybody loves. So if you love, I can coach you. Awesome. You know, wow. It, yeah. You know, it's, it, it's, it's amazing how different men and women see things. I mean, you, you, you may see... Uh, something very simple one way, and the guy will just see it totally, you know, different. But for for a man, I think what we do is we, we've we been taught as little boys to be tough, to be tough, to be tough. And you know what? That, that has hurt so many men because they really don't know how to express their feelings when it comes to being married and, and having a wife or having a fiancé or girlfriend or whatever. When it comes down to that point where they have to be, a loving person, a lot of men really, they just don't know how to do that. Right, they don't know how to express it. But, you know, it comes from both sides, really. You know, as a woman, you have to sit down with your man and you have to explain to him what, you know, your needs, your emotional needs are. And those are the needs that you need fulfilled in order to feel feel loved. So if you, you know, say to your man, listen, can you, like, kiss me and hug me and cuddle me? Because that makes me feel amazing. Most likely he'll kiss you and hug you and cuddle you. So sometimes you just got to put things on the table. And you might have to just guide your man so he understands what's the best way for you to feel loved. You know, some men, they know. They know, like, how to hug you and be tender with you. And others, they just need a little lesson in how to communicate that with you. So sometimes it can be as simple as just just saying something, basically. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in that, too, you'll find out if they're limited in some way, if they say, well, I can't do that. (laughs) 
then you know something's going on. You know, why can't your man just hug you and tenderly kiss you and cuddle you, something that you need? Why can't he fulfill that? What is it going on that's going on in his life or in, that went on in his past that's, that's something that's difficult for him? Um, I, I was wondering, for myself and, and for plenty of other people, um, God, spirituality plays a major part in um, how they love or their beliefs about love. And do you deal with any of that aspect? Because it, most people come to the table with that. So Yeah, people... Like, Definitely, they come to the table with their beliefs that they they learned, you know, growing up from specific religions. You know, I do coach some people who are, you know, they're not Christians, they're either they're Jewish or they're Muslim, whatever it is. And I just respect whatever that belief is. And then I ask them, you know, is that belief working for you? If And we talk about your goals. If this is your goal and your belief is this and it limits you from getting your goal, is that belief working for you? Mm. And then what belief would work for you? So I make them do the work, and they create one that would work for them. They say, all right, for just this week, let's change your belief to this, just for the week. Every day I want you to believe this, and I want you to approach life with this new belief. Let's see what happens. And they do that, and things open up. You know, life changes. You know, I, I was just thinking about um, women that are in uh, relationships where they're being beaten and this type of thing. and. Yeah. and do you deal with women just battered women or men? It, it happened a lot to men too. I mean, they don't talk about it, but a lot of men are beaten as well. Yeah. But, I mean, how do you deal with with something like that? Because it's it's almost like a cycle. You know, you you meet a woman that that's in a relationship like that, and that's the only type of man that she's well, you know, only type of men that she's willing to date. Do you think it's because of the something in their youth that they saw their parents or? I mean, where does that come from for a woman to stay in a relationship where she's beaten all the time and to say that, oh, he loves me, he's not going to do it again, and and to really believe that he's not going to do it again and he's not going to change? Well, these are women who are really stuck in a cycle. It's a cycle of abuse. Um, I coach some of these women in uh, Women in Need here in New York. And, you know, a lot of the stories that I hear and a lot of the, the beliefs that are brought up are the victim beliefs. What always seems to happen is, you know, one moment the woman is beaten and then she just turns it in her own mind. It's also a form of catching the crazy. You know, you're you're beating yourself up. You're telling yourself that you deserved it in some way. And that's the victim mode. And it's um it's a, a sickness that happens within, you know, the mind and within your own beliefs. And so what I have to do is change that also, changing a belief taking a look at, you know, why they think that they deserved it, why they think that it was something they did that that, that was acceptable. And I also have to put my foot down and say beating is never acceptable. Violence is never acceptable. And we start to instill that new belief. It's never acceptable in any way. It's never appropriate in any way. And drawing that line in the sand. You know, I, I want to say this real quick. How... I've heard women say that that gives them a sense of security. How, how is that? How, yeah. how can someone beating you give you security? I, I, I don't understand that. You know, this is, once again, you're coming back to this illness, you know, believing that because he beats you, you know, he's not ever going to throw you away because you'll always be there. You know, like you're so loyal, you always come back even after he does something like that. It's just another form of a, you know, kind of a cancer in the mind and a cancer in your beliefs. 
And, you know, it stems from a lot of things. People learn it growing up. They might fall into it after the first or second boyfriend um, and then simply accept and, and think that that's okay. Uh, they might blame themselves. They go into victim mode. You know, but at the end of the day, it's like that's where you have to completely overhaul. And, you know, I've had some clients where I, I like to, you know, ask them about their children because that's an area where sometimes they wake up a little. You know, mm. women love their children. And if you ask them, you know, well, what happens if your children get beaten? What happens if your children get harmed? And, you know, it's a really difficult issue to deal with because, you know, children who live in these abused homes will take the side of the father, the aggressor, just to protect themselves. And, you know, and they, they will abuse their own mother just to protect themselves. But at the end of the day, the mother, all she wants to do is, you know, save the children. So if you sit there and say, you stay in this relationship, not only will, will you end up dead, your children will be harmed as well. And they're being harmed, you know, throughout the process of it. So it takes time. It takes a lot of time, but also, you know, therapy. People always shun therapy. It's one of the greatest things people can go through because you, you're raised in, in your environment. A lot of things happen, and it's not so much your parents' fault as in that, you know, your parents are doing the best they could do to raise you at the time. But you yeah. grow up with these things, and if you haven't learned that, you know, you have a choice and that, you know, you are not a product of your parents, you can change that then you will also, you know, take on the same cycles and do the same things that they did. Yes, the the abuse one is major. I mean, I've I've witnessed so many friends where that is there. It is definitely a foundational belief for them, and it's so clear because it's so repetitive. Relationship after relationship, they they attract the kind of person who would abuse them, and then when they finally get in a relationship with a guy who will not abuse them, they leave because they can't handle it. And so they have, it's so ingrained in them that this is what I deserve. This is what love looks like. Yeah, it's a lot of shame. Yeah. Big shame issues there. Very scary. Um, I had an internet question. Um, A friend was asking if you do with just, if you deal with just relationships or do you do with um, family love, like mother-daughter, um, father son or yeah you know. I deal with that stuff too you know um, you know a lot of times when relationships are going on there's other relationships happening around it especially with like husbands and wives the children are also involved so you also have to work on if I have a client they're not only working on their their issue with their wife but they've got to work on the issues with the children as well because it's a one big family and there's a lot of love there and you've, you've got to make sure that's all healthy love mm. You know what, and, and it's so true. I'm, I'm so glad that the, your friend, uh, Denisha, asked that question because I, I say it all the time, there's no hurt like family hurt. Yes. And, uh, you know, I hear a lot of women that were little, you know, when they were little girls and they were molested. It didn't come from a stranger. It happened from an uncle or a cousin. or I mean, it happened from someone in the family. And for some reason, the family chose to ignore it so to speak, uh, we've had a lot of people on the show to, t- to talk about that. They talk about it now because they're adults, but, you know, they, they haven't gotten over that. And I, yeah. and I know that a lot of them need uh, therapy, but to try to get married and have that weight on your shoulders, it's, I mean, it's not fair to the person that you're trying to marry. Do, what, what do you think? 
No, I think you're absolutely right in that situation. You know, and I've coached a number of people who that were in that exact same situation. And you are attempting to go into, you know, a marriage, and you're wondering, like, why is this not working out? Why are we not blissfully happy? It's because you're the one who is dealing with issues that you haven't really put on the table. You just suppressed them. You just said, you know what, this happened to me a long time ago. I don't want to deal with it. I'm just going to put it away. But it manifests itself in other ways in your relationship. Mm. Wow. And and I suppose even issues that aren't, you know, molestation is such a strong, um, intricate issue that it requires several different, you know, like therapy and and just uh, total mindset shift. But um, even things with just, Parental love, if if perhaps your father wasn't there or perhaps your mother, your relationship with your mother was just somehow not always healthy, those types of things, that's the first experience you have with what love is supposed to look like. That's right, and that's where your love map comes from. mm -hmm. You know, you might have heard the way that your mother spoke to you at times that sounded loving, and you would store that in your brain. And you might have seen the way your father moved or, you know, a soap he used. You love the smell of it. And it's all part of this love map. You store it in your brain all the things that you like. And then when you get older, you start to search for somebody and you place that same love map. You want somebody who has that lovely voice that you heard your mother had, you know, that had that, you know, a certain smell just kind of like caught you and, you know, you're attracted to that. So that's that love map that you build when you're a child. And with the negative things that happened, you tend to suppress those. You know, like you might hear somebody with this grating voice, this nasty, grating, high-pitched voice. Immediately you're turned off because you had the same experience as a child from like a neighbor or somebody. You didn't like it. That's not what you want. Hmm. You know, Rebecca, I want to ask you this. At the end of the day, you know, you're teaching and you're uh, talking about love, the most powerful thing there is, and this is your occupation. This is what you do. To you, it's probably not a job, but at the end of the day, when you have a, a relationship that that is flourishing and, and you see everything coming together, I mean, how does that make you feel? It feels amazing. I have to tell you, it feels amazing to see relationships that really, they are growing organically. People are taking the time to get to know each other. You know, they're understanding their own limitations and working to overcome them. They're letting themselves open up and be more intimate in ways that might have been scary in the past. You know, you get to see each week this person bloom. You know, they're this really beautiful flower, and you get to see them bloom. And each time they come back to you, they're happier and happier and happier. And you have to push them a little bit more and be, you know, and 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 ask them to do things that are even a little bit scarier for them. But after they get over it, you know, over that threshold, they feel amazing. They're flying high again. So it's all part of the growing process. You know, and too many people get stuck. We get stuck with our limiting beliefs. We get stuck with our past issues. And we get stuck having the same fights, just in different relationships over and over again. Mm. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I just wanted to know, I mean, this is clearly your purpose and your passion. And so I just, what, since, you know, Brian, uh, Greg, you're always about, you know, be more, do more, have more, <laughs> and about the dream. So what what happened or when did you know that this was your gift? When did you know that you had the, I mean, love is so powerful. So when did you know that this is what you should do? 
Um, well, I first really became obsessed with love in my, my early teens. You know, my first boyfriend, um, completely head over heels, loved the feeling, became one of those romance junkies. It was like, I want to feel this all the time. This is fantastic. Uh, it wasn't until I was in college, you know, that I kind of got a grip on that and said, I really, like, I do. I love this feeling. I respect it. I honor it. And I really want to help people in life understand it and really be able to fulfill their own lives with this love. And I said that in college, and it really wasn't until maybe six years later that I got on the road of becoming a coach. And, you know, when I started my training, at the very beginning I kind of knew, you know, like I, I heard that you can be a relationship coach, and I always said this is what I wanted to do. I think this is my path. And um, and we were in one of our classes, and and it was one of those things where you sit down and you figure out, like, what your mission is. It was your mission statement. And mine was to bring love to the world, to help people, you know, meander the hidden pathways that we call love and connection. And once I, I had that mission statement, that was it. I was like, let's run with it. Mm. Rebecca, wow. we, have a, we have a caller. Is it okay if we take a call? Absolutely. Caller from the 312 area code. Are you there? How are you? Hi. Hello. How are you? Hello. Yes. Hi. Yes. Go ahead. You have a question for Rebecca? Yeah. Thanks for <laughs> taking my call. Thank you. Um, I actually am. I was listening in on uh, your chat earlier, and I am wondering how do you um my I have a love uh, hate relationship with my mother. <laughs> And I shouldn't say hate, that's a strong word, but I am uh, 35 years old, and we have had this ongoing, strained uh, relationship for years, and I know that a lot of mother and daughter relationships have the same issues, but um, I am her only child, and I can't figure out how to uh, really bring the relationship to harmony. Uh, she's just this controlling, domineering force. <laughs> and um, I, I thought maybe we could go to counseling. I, and I don't know if there is a such thing as mother-daughter counseling, but I really need to square this part of my life away and, and really bring some harmony to this. So I, I was wondering what's your experience or do you have any feedback on and is that a similar issue with, with women when they come of age with their moms? You know, let me just ask you this. What What's the friction point that you find between you and your mother? Hmm, just one? <laughs> yeah, just one. Uh, you know, my, I think it's, let me just say that it started when, um, my mom, when I became a teenager, we're different women. We're totally mm -hmm. different women. So she raised me the way she thought, you know, and, and she's a good mom, but the friction is her wanting me to be a certain way. Absolutely. And because we're not the same woman, we don't do things different. I mean, we don't do things the same. We don't perceive life and relationships, and marriage, and money, we don't see things the same way. Yeah, so it um, sounds like your mother just never wanted you to grow up. 
Well, she is a controlling and domineering force. These are your words. And it really started when you became a teenager. And when you become a teenager, that's when you begin to assert your independence and right. to really hone in on who you are as a human being, right? Right. Well, she wants you to be a certain way. Mm-hmm. And she could place that on you when you were younger, when you were a child. She could tell you what right. you're supposed to wear, how your hair was supposed to be, what the rules are of the house. But as you become an adult, she's never let go of that. Mm-hmm. So why do you think she is this way? Why is she so controlling and domineering with you? Oh, gosh. Well, she's got five sisters, and she's in the middle, and they have this uh, bid for power. They still have this bid for power uh, relationship between six girls, and um, she's very protective of me. She doesn't want me to play with other people, and I can't go out with my other aunts without being uncomfortable, and I think I know for a fact that, one, it has to do with, you know, the way that she, what they were raised, Mm -hmm. and two, um, my parents got uh, divorced about maybe eight years ago, maybe eight or ten years ago. Okay. Um, So I... Well, you just used a keyword here. You said your mother's very protective of you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, It's crazy. Being protective of someone, that stems from love. Mm -hmm. Your mother wants the best for you. She loves you so much, she wants to make sure that you have everything. And she's going to make sure that you have everything and show that love so intensely that she's going to be controlling and a domineering force in your life. But it all stems from the same place. Mm -hmm. Rebecca, do you think that the the mother is, is looking at her daughter in a way that you know, she wants her to have better than what she had, or uh, I don't know. I, I don't know how to say this, but do you think her her, her mother is just so um, protective? She loves her so much that no matter what it is, she don't want her daughter to be hurt. But but in return, she's causing uh, pain. She's on causing her daughter. hurt. Yeah. yeah, I think that's definitely yeah a, a big issue. How does that sound? Yeah, well, because when and and um. Uh, Denise and I are actually best friends, and and I just say that because she can attest to, you know, I would just call, it's like, does anyone else go through this? Because I'm just... Everybody. I, honestly, maybe not every woman, but, but I have to tell you, probably 90, 95% of women go through this with their mothers. Yeah. Because at some point, you have to grow up. Right. And your mother well, doesn't and, want you to. Okay. Well, and I I think the reason that I know that it that it's love because she gets hurt when I fight back. That's right. So in knowing that it's love, she just wants the best for you. Mm-hmm. What's the best way for you to respond to her? Oh gosh, that's why I'm asking you. <laughs> I, so I don't know. I brainstorm it for a second. You know that your um, mother only wants the best for you. She wants. She wants. She loves you so much. She wants you to have an amazing marriage on all these things. Mm-hmm. So in I've knowing that, the, what's the I've best written her letters. I've written her letters. Well, no, wait. Now I think, I think I'm, I'm only jumping in here because I know that we're short on time, but excuse me, I think what, what Rebecca is saying is, and what, what you're trying to get her to is, um, excuse me, I'm so sorry, is to cross a threshold that her pain is not yet able to free her to cross because there is a lot of pain that is there as a result mm-hmm. of what who, what her mother has done. And so 
you, you're sort of asking her to step out of her pain and see her yeah. mother as a human being and say, oh, she wants the best for me, and, okay, so what I need to do is love her back, love love her back. And and, it's, and if we had more time here, I would take you through, you know, the emotional exercise to, to work through that pain and to bring it out. So <laughs> and maybe then I need that to way make an appointment. <laughs> we can begin to cross the threshold so you can approach your mother and understand that you can love okay. her back. There should okay. be a- I think you two need to to connect, and um, uh, if if possible, Nisha, we can get our information in that way, because uh, it's definitely um, some some counseling is definitely needed there. Okay, that'd be awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. I well, I appreciate your time. And Tell me your name. Alicia. Alicia. Okay. We'll we'll get that information over to uh, to you. Uh, okay. Becca. We'll definitely Thank get you, you so that. Much, Rebecca. Thank you so much, Thank you. Thanks yeah, for calling in. You have a good night. Yeah, Thanks. thank you so much for calling in. Oh, thank no problem. Thank you yeah. for letting me join in. Thank have a you. good night. Thank you. Um, thank you. Rebecca, do you think a lot of times when people are going through divorces that uh, they 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 uh, are so they feel so guilty that the, the child had to go through that and they don't look at another man, they don't want a husband, the only thing that they want, they, they put all of their... Uh, the rest of their life into their child and making them happy. And yes, if a woman's in an unhealthy place, then she will place all of that onto her child. Yeah. But, you know, if you have a woman who understands that, you know, this is a situation you have to grow from it and that you can't place all that pressure on your child, then, you know, they will, they'll choose to go in a different direction. But a lot of women, yes, they, they uplift their children and they say, I'm going to give you everything, everything I didn't have, and I'm going to love you more. And, you know, they put them close to their bosom and hold them tight because this is the love that they have left. You know, the husband, you know, they and their husband have split. This is like the love of family. And so they hold them even closer. Do you notice, I'm sure you're probably starting to see and deal with uh, products of single parent homes, especially the men. And I think a lot of mothers do that to their sons when the fathers aren't there. They compensate for the lack of a father by for a lot for the son by sort of showering him with things and not teaching him how to how to love and and so when he or maybe they they they're loving him too much are you seeing starting to see the results of the single parent families and how that's starting to um work into other relationships as these people are now becoming adults well, you know, I have to say, I don't think you can ever love someone too much, but what you can do is um, you can, like, over overemphasize whenever you feel like there might be an area that your child is lacking because they don't have a father, you might spoil. Okay. You, you can, you know, every person, like, you can't over-love someone. You right. really want them to, you know, feel that love. But what happens, you might feel guilty because they don't have that father figure. So to, you might, in, you know replace that father figure with toys and games and, you know, whatever it is that the kid wants. You might spoil them too much. And it's really it's about finding the balance. You're a single parent now, and you have to be able to uh, teach your children the lessons as a mother and father from both ends. Yeah. It's well, a very difficult situation to be in, and a lot of women are there, in, you know, these days. Yeah. Right. Rebecca, I teach... I go into detention centers here in Florida, and I teach the abstinence program. Mm-hmm. And it, it is amazing what these young girls are faced with. It's amazing at some of the things that they 
will do and some of the things that they've done. Uh, one of the kids that we were dealing with was probably, I think she's probably 15, and she's she calls it her boyfriend. The guy's 50, 55 years old. Right. And this is... Uh, this is a child looking for a father. Yes. And this is something that's happening all the time. And, you know, you can't find it. They won't tell you anything. You can't find out who the guy is because right. you know, yeah, because he's, he's showing them something that they think is love when he's actually just using them for their, for, for their own uh, sexual whatever. Right. You know, he's giving them money, and, and, and he's basically uh, tearing the heart out of this little girl, and she don't even know it. Well, that's, you know, she's a child, and this is why we have these laws. And, you know, it's a situation where you've got to find somebody who, you know, who can help this woman, this young girl, to open up and trust so she can begin to talk about what's really going on. Because, you know, these are the most dangerous situations when you have an adult who's manipulating a child. Mm, That's that's so sad. And, And when you have a child like that, 15 years old, and they get pregnant, I mean, it's it's almost as if they don't want to. I, I don't know how to say it. They don't want to uh, try to become a mother because they're so hard because of the life that they were living out on the streets. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's it's very sad. Rebecca, if you could, we have about two minutes. Could you give us your contact information? Absolutely. Uh, you can uh, check out my website. It's www.thelovecoach.com. Love is spelled L-U-V. The Love Coach. You can reach me at Brody at thelovecoach.com. And uh, I work up in New York. I do seminars. I do a lot of my work over the phone. So that, that's how I manage to coach people internationally. Mm-hmm. And uh, for anybody who needs my services, please go on my website, email me, get in touch. And uh, on my site, you'll also find upcoming seminars for She Caught the Crazy. Yes. And uh, I want to say this before you go. You, it is. Uh, this week has, I mean, for the last week, it's been crazy. My email has been overloaded with guys asking about you. They've seen your picture, and, and it, it's kind of funny, but, you know, it, it, I just want to put that out there that the guys are, are just, they're just crazy about your looks and everything. Denisha, did I've been you have getting any, that response. Yes, I'm getting, I'm getting loaded. Denisha, did you have anything else for Rebecca? I just wanted to say that this has been a tremendous pleasure. I wish we had far more time because love, like you said, love is life. And I, I it's just such an amazing life job or life career or just life life um, that you have uh, to live and to change and to transform lives because I, I really do believe that love is, is so powerful and it's a driving force behind so many things that we do. And so I, I you will definitely <laughs> have some clients uh, coming. <laughs> it, it, myself myself uh, will probably be one of them. Excellent. So I have people I look that forward to it. refer because, I mean, this is, it's amazing. And it's, it, you know, we're depleted on some level. Not depleted, but so many people need that love. And, and, yeah, and a lot of know. people are just a little lost. Yes, hmm. yes. But, you know, you have to remember, everybody can love. Everyone can experience love. They can have it. They can give it. He's got to learn how to open up and then be willing to accept it. Yes. Yes. Thank you guys so much. Rebecca, thank you. Gregory, thank you. you. It was a pleasure. You guys, thank you you so much for having me on the show. I'm, I'm very honored. 
Yes, you've blessed a lot of people, and and Denisha, we did achieve our goal of being more, doing more, and having more. Again, thank you so much for listening. We won't have a show the rest of this week, but we will be back next Monday, and our guest will be Victoria Raul. Thank you, Rebecca, and thank you, Denisha. Thank you. God bless. God bless. Good night.